0: Hey everyone, uh, welcome to our latest episode of Working With Humans, my name is Matt Phelan, I am a co-founder of the business, uh, business called The Happiness Index, and I am here with Meline Rydell, how are you Meline?
1: I'm good, I'm calling in from Paris.
0: It sounds like you're in a very Parisian cafe.
1: <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which I know, because we just had a video call. But, Absolutely, um, for those that are listening, it is the most Parisian cafe you could imagine. It's even got the, <laughs> the red and white awning outside. Meline, um, I'm just going to um, introduce you quickly in, in, in my amateur words by reading your LinkedIn bio. Um, author, keynote speaker and executive coach, lecturer at Sciences Po, Paris and HEC executive education and author of some amazing books. Um but Melina, I'd rather um, you introduce yourself in, in, in your words.
1: Well, I don't know if this is the most important part, but I'm, I'm Danish. I'm actually born in Denmark. And, and as you know, Matt, Denmark has come repeatedly at the top of all the happiness indexes and uh, and research in, in the world. So uh, it, it might be an indicator of why I've chosen that topic to be the topic that I work around now, well-being and happiness. Um, and I now live in, in Paris and I have lived here for more than 25 years. And France is not on top of the list. They're number 23. So you might wonder why I do that, but that's, that's part of my story. I I, think, I, I do think that that some of these values we found in Denmark can actually be used all over the world, including including in France. And so I've had um, the first part of my, my life has been, or um, well, my career has been a career in, in the corporate world. Uh, I worked in the hotel industry, which was a big passion of mine, a childhood dream. And, uh, and then I published... I published my first book in, uh, in 2014 called "Happy as a Dane," explaining why this Danish model or why these Danish values—the way of living individually and together—and in then my uh, make makes Denmark one of the happiest countries in the world. And that kind of changed my my life. I guess it was it was translated into more than 12 languages, and uh, and I, I I left my job as director of communication at, at Hyatt Hotels, and um, and I I now. I now have just published my third book, and I um, do a lot of keynote speaking around the world. I teach, as you said, at Sciences Po Paris in political science and a business school called HSC, Um on how well-being actually um, makes us makes us perform better. So it's not just about being happy for the sake of happiness, but it actually gives us better results in terms of how we do projects, how we how we even how we define success so um so that's what i that's what i i spend my time on these days
0: um emeline I'm, I'm gonna jump in with an unplanned question
1: mm-hmm. um, you
0: know you mentioned i think you said uh, france was at position 23 there mm-hmm. um, and obviously as we've got, we've got you on is there any um any observations um, on the French workforce that you think are unique to France? Anything they, they do well or, or, or need to do better that they, that they can learn from the Danes?
1: Well, the thing the thing that's particular about France, and you might see some of this in, in, in the UK as well, is that they have an elite school system. And, and so um, the fact that they value intellectual competences more than manual or mechanic uh, competences or, or artistic competences um, gives... Um, when you when you're in a in a in a group or when you work in a company, then the people that have had the most prestigious studies, in some sense, have more right to speak than those who had had none or had different ones. Um, and this kind of this um, elite approach uh, makes it sometimes a little hard to innovate because people might be scared to raise their hand if they don't come from the right school
0: um
1: and also people that um you know they'll doubt more that that the outside the box thinking might add something or they'll be more scared that you know that they will be embarrassed because it's not the right idea so they just won't say anything so um that's what i work on a lot with the french companies is to create we're going to talk a little bit more about that what i call psychological safety so that people actually dare to share what they have on, on, on their minds
0: it's so fasc- fascinating Malie, because I, I sold my first business to a french company Wow. Um, yeah, and my biggest, my biggest two shocks, and these, these are not, ju- these, they're not judgments, they're just observations. Um, but we overnight we became a listed company um, on the French stock exchange, um, mm. and when I went to my first uh, board meeting, we had to sit out, um, outwardly in a circle concentrically, um, in order of importance. <laughs> so um, uh, it just uh, coming from a London board board meeting. Um, it was just very different and a culture shock to me and yeah. the second The second one was in two thousand and fifteen, Ernst and Young dropped the degree classification threshold for graduate recruitment mm-hmm. um, because they stated there was no evidence that a university degree um, over impact your career and um, so we dropped it and it was one of our biggest one of the best things we ever did but there was there was it was that elite class recruitment thing. So we had a couple of cultural bar- barriers from day one, which we'll talk about in Avatar. <laughs>
1: mm, no, but I, I, I do think that those observations, it's, it's also very true for, um, for Asia. Um, they, they have um, uh, about China and Korea and Japan. They also have this um, overvaluing uh, intellectual competences and learning things by heart. And, and so it, it also gives a high level of stress for the students when they when they study and so the um so, so those are some of the topics that i look at and in terms of, of good things about the french system well the elite schools do they, they do produce also or produce or or uh, cultivate uh, some of the, the best engineers in the world that come from france you know so so the fact that they take those these this big intellectual talents, so or these big intellectual talents, and they develop them uh, by having these concert You know, the elite schools um, do, do do produce some really good results in terms of of being good at what they they're good at. But uh, but in terms of well being and, and collective joy, sure it's always a good idea. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so, Melin, before we, we jump into the the actual questions, um, I want to know on a personal level, what, what makes you happy?
1: So. What makes me happy, basically, I often look at it as sort of working on my base of well-being. And my base of well-being is essentially uh, my relationship with myself. So being aligned in terms of who I am, what I think, what I say and what I do. So this alignment is essential for me to be happy. It's probably the most important thing to be aligned, to be true to myself so the relationship with myself, my relationship with other people, uh, my friends, my family. So uh, empathy uh, and, and attention and time, uh, attention and time, uh, big ingredients, attention uh, that I pay to others and, and the time that you give to others and that I get in return are ingredients. And then I would say um, gratitude, um, you know, yes. really uh, taking the time to to kind of have a humble approach to life and, and, uh, and being grateful for what I have. You know, right now is a particular test because the COVID situation around the world has, yeah. has thrown many of us back. So, uh, you know, how are you happy in a time when maybe your family members are sick or you're losing a huge part of your business? Like my case. Um, so I should have this capacity to, no matter what happens from the exterior, I, I'm, I'm very much in favor of the stoicism. So uh, that whole philosophical... Um, thought process is, you know, it doesn't matter so much what happens to me. It's more the the way I react to it or my attitude towards it uh, that matters that uh, sort of makes me happy or not. It's how I relate to things and not so much what happens to me. And then I would say at the end, it's um, purpose. It's a feeling that I have you know that i make an impact or that i do my best to contribute to making the world a better place even if it's a little bit being kind and then sometimes doing something that might be a little bit bigger than that but did you know generally speaking uh, trying to contribute to making this place a nicer place and a a better place and a more human place
0: well i'm really fascinated by that that first point melina around being aligned yeah if you're not if you're not aligned right could you explain mm-hmm. to us could you can you remember a point in your history when you weren't aligned and how could you explain how you feel that and how you sense
1: that it's um when I'm not aligned it's when I'm forced into um, so uh, there, there's been some situations in my previous um, jobs where they had made decisions that I they weren't aligned with me and how I approach things or how I do things or people that I had to work with or things I had to do. And I'm a very flexible person. I don't have a narrow comfort zone. I have a huge comfort zone. But, you know, those things were just contrary to certain principles in life about values and, and so um, I felt that it made me feel uncomfortable and I, I you know I have I think I have pretty good, good intuition and so um, so actually i yeah I know I've, I've made radical decisions to to um, to cater to, to that and to make it more important that I aligned myself with the values and then I had to tell Um, I once told the company I work for, um, if you make this decision, I no longer consider we're in a long-term relationship. So I didn't say I was going to leave the job straight away, but it was for me a way of saying that. And they didn't make the decision; they actually came back and said, "I go with you." And so I I think I've experienced that if I stick with that, most most of the time I uh, I steer in the right direction and I protect my own base of of well-being.
0: Yeah, that's so so fascinating. So. I've just I've learned so much already. Um, <laughs> so at the actual first question, you often discuss the link between happiness and performance. Um, <laughs> what have you found so far?
1: Well, I found that uh, I mean my first reflections were based on on my first book, Happy as yeah. a Dane, and why the Danish people come up at the top. And so there were three main pillars in, in, in my book. There are ten reasons, but I you know there are three main pillars that go that circle back into the to work environment. It's um, it's trust when you have a high level of trust uh, and and it's um, the freedom to be you. I know you've worked with the freedom concept as well. And it's it's how free people feel to be themselves. It's basically alignment as well. You know, we all kind of um, from when we're 20 till we're 40 years old, we built this persona that we want to be like, you know, when you're a child, you want to be this and that person or you admire people. And so you want to be somebody many people and it's not there's nothing so bad about it it's what most people do they they kind of want to get this business card you know with a title on it or you want to become something or somebody and so we do all these things to to become that that person and um and then when you join a company um sometimes if we've done that too much if the system has been too oriented towards playing a role you can't get um you can't get a very high level of well-being because basically when you're pretending or playing somebody, you're always scared to be discovered. To yeah. be, to, 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 it's the imposter syndrome. And so it's very bad for well-being and it's very bad for for group work. And, and so this um, freedom to be you in Denmark, we have a high level because... Uh, the main purpose of the Danish education is to um, develop the personality of the child. And also at the age of six years old, we teach empathy in school. And so you kind of, you know, identifying your emotions and understanding those of others and communicate. And so that whole sort of base makes it easier, I think, to be free to be you um, in the Danish society. And this is one of the topics I've seen in companies Um, that when people have a higher level of sense or feeling of of being free to be themselves, it's, it works. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit to you about, I'm going to talk just, uh, just about the, the third, the third ingredients of pillar. It's individual responsibility for a common project. And so uh, with purpose. And so it's, it's participating in something that's greater than yourself. Uh, you see in Denmark symbolized by the fact that um, Denmark is one of the highest tax countries in the world and has been so for many years. And yet 7 out of 10 Danes like paying taxes. And this is a world record of, of like, people willing to pay taxes. They like it. And so it's because they feel they participate in something that's greater than themselves. They're proud to participate in this project called Denmark. And so welfare state, etc. So those three pillars in terms of the country model, if you take them back into the company, when people know why they get up in the morning and it's not just to get a salary or pay their rent, or um, then you get them engaged. And one of the biggest problems in, in the world of, 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 um, of companies and, and, and um in corporations today is that people are not very engaged. And some of the latest Gallup uh, surveys, they say that 85% of people across the world are not engaged in what they do. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a sense of purpose of why you get up, you get, you get higher engagement. And so this is through these three sort of pillars. um, I've I've sort of built a system around it. And one of the the, the things that I work around a lot is um, all the studies uh, made by Amy Edmondson, who's professor at Howard uh, University. Uh, and she um, came up with a, um, a concept called psychological safety. Uh, it's following been studied by uh, Google in a project called the Aristotle Project where they try to figure out what and what and why are groups performing. What is it that people have in common? All these groups, what do they have in common? And they couldn't figure it out. And actually, they they then became aware of Amy Edmondson's work, and it, it turned out the groups that were that were constantly um, performing the best were the ones that had psychological safety, which means that you trust the other group members and that you feel free to be yourself, ask any question, submit any idea, admit an error, say I didn't understand what just you know, I didn't understand. I have a question. I don't think I have the competences to do that. So just a free space where you have psychological safety to say anything um, or come up with any idea without being scared. And you'll be mocked or embarrassed by the other members of the group. And that for me is the main key to performance and to well-being in a company.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe there's, a, there's another point, um, in your bio where you talk about the impact on innovation as well
1: yeah absolutely Um,
0: can can you just expand on that a little bit about the link between happiness and innovation
1: well when you have when when you have um, trust in a company and you have a feeling of, of being free to be yourself so when you have an idea that you think might be ridiculous or not Sophisticated or not, and you don't dare to say it. Well, then you will never innovate in the company. You will only have the same people talking around the the the, the 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 table. And and if people feel that they dare to suggest something or come up with a remark, even though they don't work in that department, then you all of a sudden start to innovate. And 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 this is um, this is really key to innovation because innovation is about daring. And and numbers show that when you um, basically when you have trust in a company and and you you then have um, higher innovation people take a chance or a risk or they innovate much more but it's only one out of one out of three times that this will work okay so so they will you will have to accept two failures before the right idea is born. so you got to have a culture where when somebody, somebody comes up and says, I have a great idea, can I try it? And then most yeah. people today will say, yeah, go ahead. And then, you know, failure, you lose money, time, and you're like, mm, okay, well, you know, you've you, you got to learn from this. And then they come back a few months later saying, yeah, I thought about it. You know, can I try again? I a, you know, you always give people a second chance. Yeah. And then again, big failure money, use money, use you time, you're like, honestly, you miss person. First time, it's okay. Second time, you know, you should really be careful. What do you do the third time that person works up to you? Because this is where, according to statistics, that it's the third time that it will work. So do we have the patience and the trust in the people that to give them a third chance without being judgmental, without... Punishing them so that they they'll draw back, and and this is some of the stuff that I work a lot on in the companies. What's your attitude towards failure and, and, and errors, and you know, what's your culture around that?
0: It's, Do you so, dig- it's so it's so fascinating. And um, uh, Malene, on to on to the last question. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I'm gonna I'm, I'm just gonna be a bit creative on how I frame it. We have mm-hmm. we've, um, we've just opened up the first moon base, and um, so we've got a new population. Um. It's going to be a new country on the moon, um, and on the moon there's going to be a school, um, and we're opening this school, and it's called the Ridal School. So we, want to, we want to, we want to bring all this stuff into the education sector because it's when you hear it, it just seems so obvious, but lots of education systems don't include this type of thing in it. How how can the education system learn from and, and help to teach this stuff?
1: I mean. Schools need to focus much more, especially with um, artificial intelligence and soft skills. And we need to make sure that we teach stuff like empathy, um, self-awareness, understanding, basic psychological understanding. It's so important. We know now from research that the quality of our relationship is what matters the most in terms of being happy. We know it and the quality of the relationships that we have around us in this relationship with ourselves is based on um to to a large extent self-awareness how do you navigate in life what dominates you and and also what most of when we are in relationship with other people okay so we have all of us this navigational system we, we're navigated by we navigate by values that we have and most some of them are just unconscious because we got them from our parents or something happened to us and then we had this and all that value and so In terms of how we navigate, we have these filters. We have these, you know, it's it's a way of approaching the world. And we need to be responsible of having these filters. You need to be aware, your level of self-awareness, because it colors everything you do. It colors your judgment of others. And if you're not aware of it, you just kind of navigate like a blind person in the world, you know, and you react on things like spontaneously without really knowing whether that is is the right conflict to have at that moment whether it will bring something to you are you fighting for principles all day long and it gives nothing it adds no value to you just other than being right i mean what will that give you when you die that you've been right
0: yeah if you
1: didn't change the world in a good way do you run around teaching other people lessons all the time thinking that everyone should be like you because then you're wrong And so all of this, like stepping back a little bit, saying this is how I look at things also because I'm colored by this and that. This seems important to me, but it's not necessarily important to everyone. And so I think being humble, taking a step back, knowing yourself really well, and then, you know, teaching kids differences and how we look at things and being tolerant, accepting that there's something interesting in something, somebody who's opposite to you. And so this is what I teach the adults now when I do uh, training in companies. You know, it's basically self-awareness. You yeah. got to be responsible yourself. You're around the table. You, you, you don't go nuts all of a sudden. If you go nuts, you got to know why. You got to yeah. know why. You got to got to see if, if is that my filter that goes nuts. And I work a lot with the theories of Carl Jung, uh, from the '60s about shadows. Um, when you spotted, you got it. Basically, something that drives you crazy nuts about somebody that you really dislike or that makes you angry. Um, you say that it says more about you than it says about the person. So this is the expression saying, when you spot it, you got it. Meaning that something you spot in somebody, it means that you, there's something in you that... That, that makes you um, focus on that or react to it and, and so that's very interesting as well
0: Wow, I think Malin, that is the, the perfect summary point, I hope that everyone who's listening is, is thinking about the things that annoy them about other people and wondering, <laughs> and wondering what that is. It's like. a really unpleasant
1: exercise <laughs> It's
0: useful, very useful though and I'm, I'm doing the same right now so Meline, um, I just want to finish by saying thank you so much, I've learned so much Um, And I'd encourage anyone else listening to go and read your books and they will learn so much.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Maline. Enjoy your uh, French cafe.
1: You take care. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye.